Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. Today, my guest is Danelle Beckstrand, and I am excited to have her here today. She is married to Tyler, and they enjoy traveling and watching movies. Danelle loves to connect with others, and she started a blog called We Call It a Journey to give her a place to open up about the struggles with infertility that she and Tyler have faced. And I'm excited to dive into her very unique motherhood story. So welcome to the podcast, Danelle. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, good. Well, let's start off by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Awesome. So, yeah, so my husband and I have been married for almost seven years. Um, I grew up in Utah County, and I've lived in Utah pretty much my whole life. Um, And I remember... One year when I was a teenager, we came up to Bear Lake um, for a girls camp and we stopped at the Logan Temple. And I told my mom, mom, that's the temple I'm getting married in. And I remember she said, well, I guess that depends on where your husband's from. And uh, wouldn't you know, years later, I found myself going to Utah State and found myself a Cache Valley boy. Um, He's from the area. We both um, graduated from Utah State. And the plan was to graduate and have a million babies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, um, it's taken a little bit longer than planned to get those babies here. But um, we moved away for a master's program, found ourselves in Boise. Then we were in Salt Lake and um, had the opportunity just recently to move back to Logan. Um, We sprinted at the chance. We absolutely love it here. And so, yeah, so we're just living the life in Cache Valley and and kind of just waiting to help build our dream family. (laughs) Well, great. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is, is your experiences in trying to become a mother because you don't have any children yet. And so how would you describe the feelings and emotions that come with the struggles of infertility to someone who hasn't experienced it? What would you want them to know about your struggles? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So, um, so just to kind of the background. So, my husband and I have been diagnosed with unexplained infertility. Um, we've dealt with infertility for about five and a half years. Um, it took a really long time, I think, for me to really accept that it was a valid trial. And that sounds really odd probably, but for a long time, I felt like I was comparing our experience to so many out there. And I thought, well, you know, three years, isn't five years. Well, four years, isn't 10 years. And it took a really long time for us to just accept that, that, you know, this was a trial in our lives and that this was, this was hard. And I think that if there was something that I could communicate to the world, about going through infertility is that pain is pain and hurt is hurt. And whether you've been trying to get pregnant for one year, or if this is secondary infertility, or, you know, you've been on your journey for 15 years, it, it pain is pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really important to not only get that message out to the world, but just to really remind ourselves that, that it's important to be patient and kind to ourselves through these types of trials. So I think, I think it's good just to tell people, you know, 
it's a very real thing. It's a very vulnerable thing. And it comes with a lot of heartache. But in the same time, there's been a lot of growth for us that's happened through this process as well. So I really like what you said, pain is pain. And it's such a good point to point out that we don't need to compare our trials, our struggles to someone else's. They're our struggles and they're valid. And Heavenly Father cares about them no matter what they are. I really think that's a good point. So five and a half years, though, in my, I mean, in, in my thinking, that's a long time. You know, you said that it's been heartache and you said that you've had some growth. How do you keep going? I don't know if I do some days. <laughs> yeah. Some days I feel like, you know, it, I feel like a mess. We've learned a lot through our journey. And one of the biggest things that I have learned is to not focus on what we don't have, but to focus on what we do have. Um, it's really easy to get caught up in wishing for blessings that you miss the ones that are right under your nose. So I think that's been really helpful is to focus on the things that we do have. I think the infertility, it can leave us feeling less empowered. It takes away a lot of our choices, it feels like, because it's something that you want and you really have no control over. I guess that's what it is. It takes away our control. And it's really easy to fall into a victim role mm -hmm. in that, in that sense where, you know, poor me, I can't choose that what I'm choosing isn't happening. I, you know, it's, it's really easy to feel really down about that and to feel like you have no control. I think that lately I've realized how much control we actually do have. And I think it's so important to point out that you always have a choice. Some people maybe feel like they're unable to get pregnant and woe is me. There's, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. The, the fact of the matter is there's a lot that you could do. You could do foster care. You could adopt, you know, any of those options. They might not feel right to you, but you're choosing not to choose those options, yeah. you know, or, or doing fertility treatments for us. It's, it was so expensive. That was a hard pill to swallow, but we couldn't be too bummed about it because we chose to prioritize where we were putting our money and we chose to save to try that. So I think I, I hope that makes sense in this in the fact that there's more there's more opportunities for choice than sometimes we think. I remember seeing a sign a while ago that said, all you need in life to be happy is someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. And I thought about that a lot. And I thought that makes perfect sense to me. When I was feeling so down about our situation, I realized it was because I didn't have something that I loved to do. And I didn't have something to look forward to. And so, you know, you had mentioned earlier, my husband and I love to travel. We have taken advantage of that 100% since it's just the two of us, we've been able to go to several different countries and, and experience several different things. And I think that, you know, that's been kind of our saving grace sometimes is something to look forward to when we find out that the fertility treatment didn't take or, you know, things are feeling a little bit of a lull. We know that there's something coming next and it doesn't yeah. always have to be something that you're spending a lot of money on or like a, a vacation or anything. Sometimes it's date night on Friday night and that's what gets me through the week. Or sometimes it's like we love Toll House cookies. And so we <laughs> will go buy 
cookie dough at the grocery store. And sometimes like, I know that's going to happen on Monday and that's getting me through the weekend, you know? So, so it's sometimes it's just little things, but having things to look forward to has absolutely helped as well. So that's great. It sounds like that you have learned a lot and really nobody's life is trial free. I mean, you could look at someone else and think, oh, they've got the perfect everything. They've got everything that I don't have or compare ourselves, but everybody has something. So how do you think the trials of motherhood and the trials of infertility are similar? I love that question. Honestly, when you look at the two, I think it's really easy to think they're polar opposites. Right. I I obviously haven't experienced motherhood, but I have enough friends that talk about it um, that I kind of understand, you know, some of the woes of motherhood. And it's kind of funny when you look at it at first, because I remember, you know, earlier on in our journey, it was a holiday. We were living away from family. I think it was like Easter Sunday. And my husband and I were sitting on the couch and he was reading on his tablet or something. And and I was maybe looking through a magazine. And I just remember feeling this overwhelming sense of sorrow, how quiet our house was on Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up and, you know, it was, we had strings that took us to the room that our eggs were hidden in and, and, you know, and it was just, it was fun. And and there was so much excitement in, in the air, I guess, around holidays. And I all of a sudden realized, man, holidays are really lonely in our house. And, and every once in a while, I'll feel that when everything's caught up and, you know, my dishes are done and I, we're kind of just sitting there and we're watching another series on Netflix. And I think, this is probably the hardest part is just the silence. And then I think about my friends who post about, you know, I hid in the bathroom so that I could eat my chocolate bar so that I didn't have to share it with my kids. Or like if they could just give me a minute, like I just need one second of silence. And I thought how funny it is that, you know, we would switch each other for 10 minutes or whatever, you know, we would do anything to switch each other in those roles. And I think that the, the point of that is just that, you know, again, pain is pain. And if you're feeling pain of not having that silent moment in your household, and I'm feeling pain of having too much silence, I think that's where we find there's commonalities in our trials. I think that, you know, there's still silver linings that we can find in both in both situations. And, you know, there's the hard parts that we can find in both situations. But I definitely think that that there is are more commonalities than we than we think. Yeah, I think we can we can all learn from each other, no matter what our situations are, for sure. And like you said before, it's about choice. Choice has a big plays a big role in all of that. That's good. I really like your perspective on that. So another question I wanted to ask you is about a statement that was made by Sherry Dew. And the reason that I I picked out the statement is because one of the things you told me is that you feel like you have a mother heart. And so that statement is that motherhood is more than bearing children. It is the essence of who we are as women. So what does that mean to you? I love that. And I love that, you know, Sherry Doof is very qualified to make that statement Mm -hmm. um, just with her background. Honestly, I felt for a long time that motherhood was this elite club that I wasn't initiated into yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it was kind of tricky for a lot of reasons. I felt like, you know, I just wanted to have this child to love and to care for. And that I wouldn't, like, I, I think a lot of people will 
say things like, oh, you'll understand when you're a mom. And I kind of started to get a little irritated with those kinds of statements because I thought, no, I can totally understand now, you know, maybe not quite to the depth, but there's a lot of things I do understand. I think that as women, we care for and love children and we get excited to watch them learn and to grow, whether they're biologically ours or not. I think about the experiences I've had, even just babysitting or nannying or even just hanging out, you know, with neighbors or, or nieces and nephews. And even like one experience comes to mind that always kind of makes me laugh, but I was with family and our nieces and nephews were jumping on the trampoline and all of the moms were kind of in a circle gabbing. And I just sat there like jumping at every single like movement that the kids made towards the edge. My heart was pounding. I was so nervous. They were going to fall through those springs. And, and I was so distracted by the kids and their safety. And, um, and I think the moms kind of realized eventually that I was like, Oh, Oh, oh," you know, every time they'd kind of get close and, and they started to kind of laugh and and kind of tease me. They're like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, they're not even your kids and you're the one that's like so concerned for their safety. Um, and, and I thought, you know, I think that's just something that's innate in me. And I think in a lot of women that we just want, you know, safety and well wishes and, and we want to watch these kids just grow and just be awesome. And, and I think that's kind of what I mean, like that mother heart, right? Yeah. I think that it, a lot of people have that. And, and so, so yeah, I do. I appreciate that quote. I, I find a lot of truth in it. I think whether we have children or, or not, absolutely. There's qualities that mothers hold that women hold in general. And I, and I find a lot of comfort in that as well. That, yeah, I agree. And I, the word I kept thinking of when you were talking was nurture, you know, that's, I think, I think of that as kind of a divine quality that, that as women, you know, I'm not saying that every woman is totally nurturing, but you know, in general, we do have that more than men. And, and that's a divine quality that comes from God that we all have. You don't have to bear a child to have that for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would love to know how you have felt supported by your friends and family who are mothers. And how do you think that we can come together and unite and help each other? Such a good question, because I feel like there are so many resources out there on what not to say or what not to do. And I don't think that we focus enough on what is helpful or what you could do. Um, And I thought about that a lot. And I think part of the reason is it's really hard in the moment to communicate what you actually need. And it's almost easier to use the process of elimination to get rid of what you know you don't want, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, so sometimes it's, it's tricky. And I think too, depending on your headspace, I know there's people who are like, you know, when I'm going through infertility, I don't even want to see another baby because it's not mine, you know, and I think that's a really sad way to look at it, but I get it. And then I think other times, you know, you're like, give me all the babies. I want to hold them all, you know, cause mm-hmm. I need that. So, so it's tricky. I think, I think that I can totally, you know, share how I feel and maybe another woman dealing with infertility could have a totally different outlook, but I started the blog, we call it a journey, um, initially as a way to find a support system. I, at the time, wasn't feeling supported enough um, the way that I wanted to feel supported. And it was kind of this 
like initially, honestly, it was this platform for me to show the world how hard it was for us in our situation. And it came from a really kind of bitter and ugly place. As I shared our journey, I quickly, quickly realized through comments and people who were messaging me how much I had in common with so many other people, even though their trial wasn't infertility. Mm -hmm. Um, we had people, you know, people who were fighting cancer commenting and saying, yes, I get this too. People who had lost their mom or people who were dealing with job loss, any of those trials that are really life altering and really difficult, they understood where I was coming from, from a heartbreak standpoint. And I found like it was the biggest epiphany to me to understand that humanity is connected through trial that nobody can get through this life without experiencing that and i think it's so easy to look at at people and say and you know say well we don't have anything in common you clearly don't understand what i'm going through but but if we really take a step back we're, we're connected a lot more than we think we are, um, through our heartache. And so, so when we talk about, you know, how we feel supported and how to unify, I guess I kind of answered it backwards, but I think with, with unifying, I think it's just so important to take a step back and find commonalities. You will always find them. That to me, I think makes us, uh, our bond stronger. And especially with sisterhood, like, I think it's, again, just so easy to say, you know, well, clearly you've only dealt with this when I've dealt with this, right? And you're comparing and ranking trials. That is the most damaging and isolating thing you can do. Um, I think that when we open up and share our struggles, that also, you know, there's such power and vulnerability. And I think that unifies us as well. Um, And so I think, you know, when I was feeling so dark in our, in our trial. I think I was isolating myself a lot. I didn't want to tell people what we were dealing with. I didn't think anyone could ever understand. I think there's so much loneliness that comes in that isolation. So, so I think sharing our experiences and, you know, and not, and accepting others experiences that really helps unify as far as, um, supporting goes, you know, to be honest, some of the the best ways people have shown their support are inviting us to dance recitals and swim meets and, you know, family game nights. All of those things are things that my mother heart just craves. And and we joke often that there should be a rent-a-kid program. <laughs> I think you could get some moms to sign up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll rent your kids. Because we, you know, sometimes we want to sit in the shallow end at the pool or go to the park or do these things. And to be honest, it's kind of weird when two adults just want to sit where all the kids are, right? In today's world. Yeah. Like, we, we, we don't feel comfortable just going to the play zone, right? Because, but it's fun. It's a fun atmosphere. It's so fun to be there and to feel included. And, um, and so when, when families, you know, remember us that way and they, and they probably think, you know, sometimes that they're, 
maybe doing a disservice by telling us about it or they don't want to, you know, bother us with these things. But those are the fun things. I had a friend invite me to like pancake morning at her kid's school and they they were eating pancakes and reading books to each other or bagels or something. It was like breakfast and books. And um, just being in that elementary school cafeteria with all the kids, it it was just so fun. It's something I look forward to that that we haven't been able, we don't have a reason to do that otherwise. So, yeah. so that's been huge for support. Another thing is prayer. When people say they're praying for us, you know, it means a lot, but we've learned for, we've learned absolutely prayer is not a wish list. And so when we hear that people are praying for us, we always hope that they're praying for the right things. And that to me means that they're praying that we have courage to make hard decisions. They pray that we have strength, you know, to carry this burden, but not necessarily we pray that you'll have a baby. You know, that's a, that's a wish list, right? <laughs> well, I think a couple of things that you said kind of go along the lines of some things that I've been thinking about because in in our church there's been a big focus on ministering lately. I have to say honestly that some of that has been a struggle for me because it used to be really prescribed and I had a checklist and I knew exactly what I needed to go do. And now I have yeah. to kind of figure out what does someone need and so I've thought a lot about that and I really I like what you've said about here you know here's what I need and you know you're telling people this is how you can pray for me. I think that is so great and I also think on the other end of it we can't just say okay this is someone going through for infertility. So these are the things that I should say. These are the things I shouldn't say because everybody's different and it goes for any trial. So that's where I think this, this is what I'm learning. So I'm just sharing this is that we have to go by the spirit. We have to pray and ask Heavenly Father, this person's in my life and I'm here. And what do you want me to do for that person and help them? Because even, even someone else going through infertility might need something totally different than what you need. Does that make sense? I remind just kind of rambling. Like we have to go by the spirit. Absolutely. I love what you're saying. And I was just reading an article recently and it was talking about compassion and it was talking about Christ and having compassion. And And the one thing that stuck out to me was compassion is kind of, is the ability to, to be observant of people's yes, needs. That and is that's huge. exactly what you're saying. I think that just being observant and, and that it's, it's funny because if you're in a negative headspace, anything that somebody says could be the wrong thing, right? You could yeah. turn anything into a really, into the wrong thing for sure. But I think that if you, if you're, tr- I think when we have sensed that people are trying, that they are trying to be delicate with their words, that they care enough to be observant, to ask, I think that sometimes people s- worry that I'm going to just melt into a puddle of tears if they mention the word infertility. That is so not the case with me. It might be with other people. Right. So when people are bold and they just say, you know, Hey, how, how is your treatment going? When's your next one? That might sound like it's getting into my personal space. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) I totally love it. I would rather people be blunt and bold and just ask me straight out and try to be observant and, and try than you know, maybe, maybe kind of talk behind, not necessarily behind our back in a bad way, but just kind of, you know, talk about us and and kind of wonder what's going on and have theories of their own. Like I'd rather just talk about it straight out. So I've gotten into some funny conversations in the line at Walmart. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like honestly, like I'm an open book. 
not everybody might feel that way, but, but yeah. that feel, helps me feel supported when people are asking and trying and they're observant to our needs. Exactly. Right. Being observant. I think that's good. And, and I think with dealing with anybody that's struggling, being observant and, and being there, you know, you're not going to know, you may not know what they need until you take a step and, and try to help. So that's, that's a really good point. I've, I've interviewed several people who have been in your shoes and dealt with infertility and the same word always comes up and it is brokenness that they've felt feelings of worthlessness of feeling like they're broken because they can't do this thing that most women can do. And that is to bear children. So how, what would you tell someone who's, who's dealing with infertility or, or anything and they feel broken, they feel worthless. How would you tell, what would you tell them to help them overcome that and to which those feelings to something more positive? So true. There absolutely is this feeling of of brokenness. And I think a lot of it can kind of stem. There's a lot of quotes from prophets and apostles that, you know, motherhood is the, is the highest degree of, you know, responsibility Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's this, it's this great honor to be a mother. And oftentimes people will get up and speak and say, they're so grateful that God trusted them to be a mother. And I think when you're in the thick of it, those types of words start to, you know, start to make you wonder a little bit. Does Mm -hmm. God not trust me enough to be a mother? Am I not righteous enough to hit this highest degree of, you know, responsibility? And, and, and Satan obviously takes those, you know, and just twists them for you. Right. And, and that is so tricky. I think that, you know, I'll say things like, infertility has broken us in ways we didn't know we could break. And, and by that, I just mean, it has made me question even core testimony things. Like I have questioned prayer and I've questioned if God even cares and his love. And, you know, those are things that I grew up knowing without a shadow of a doubt. I thought I knew. Right. And then I think I, I think maybe you don't really know until you wonder if you do. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you have to go through your trial to test it, to make sure that you actually believe that. I think there's so much value in the community that I've grown up in, in motherhood. And I think the world has done better at at showing the value of motherhood. And so to feel like that was my, my dream goal, my end goal, it felt like, and to not be able to get there, absolutely. It can mess with your self-worth and it makes you wonder, what do I do in the meantime? Right? Like my, my goal Mm -hmm. was to graduate and have babies. Like that was my goal. Yeah. So then here we are, you know, six years later, what, what do I do in this time? I wasn't planning on, I can have a career. I wasn't planning on it. You know how, and so, so that it gets so tricky. There was one experience I had where I actually, I went to the BYU women's conference and I was listening to speakers and I noticed that some of these speakers that I really looked up to and really appreciated, they all had a journey that they had been on and it was a difficult journey of some sort. It was divorce or death or, you know, they all had been through something really hard. And I saw such beauty in their testimonies and in you know, their countenance as they stood up there and they talked about, about their, you know, their love for God. And, and I started to realize the value in the brokenness. And I remember my heart just filled with the words, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Break me. If that's what it takes to be who you need me to be, I'm ready. 
at that moment, I felt like I was putting my whole heart into God's hands. And I was just trusting that he could mold me into what I needed to be. It's, I'm such a visual person that I literally picture him with clay in his hands and, and people aren't, aren't gentle with that clay. If you've ever watched somebody throw a pot on a wheel, right? They're slamming that clay down and they are working with their thumbs to make, you know, to make things smooth and it is getting pulled and tugged. And, and I think that I can literally feel that sometimes I can feel that God is stretching me and molding me and putting pressure where it needs to be. And I think that recording our journey through the blog has really helped me understand how much growth we've actually had and how much progress we've actually made spiritually. And I, I really, from the bottom of my heart, can, can truly say how grateful I am for the journey. It's been long and painful. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I absolutely feel that there's been such beauty in our journey. And I, and I'm grateful for that. You know, you just totally changed my perspective on the word brokenness. I mean, it really can be a positive thing. I, I love what you said. You said, Lord, break me. And that is how we get closer to him and how it can be a refining thing in our life. It, it can be something that brings us closer to him. You talk about connection with other people. When we share our story, when we're vulnerable, that's when we can connect and, and help each other most. So thank you so much for that. And, and, you know, you've given me a lot to think about and changed my perspective too. So I appreciate that. I'm so glad. Thank you. Well, we are about out of time, but I always have a final question that I ask. And you have not had children yet, but based upon our conversation, we know that motherhood is a thing about womanhood. So I want to ask you this question as well, as I ask all the guests, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? I love this question. I think it's a great one to end on. And I think that as we've gone through fertility treatments and we've had the potential hope of, a, of becoming pregnant, I think that I get that sense of what it feels to have so much love for a child that maybe might not even be there, right? Maybe it's mm-hmm. just an embryo, like, but just to have so much love for that. And so, so I think that my, that God has absolutely been a partnership in all of our feelings as we have felt joy for the potential of a child. And as we have felt sorrow for the potential loss of a potential Mm -hmm. child, right? I think that he, like I talked about, has molded us. He has protected us. I think that he has lifted us when we've needed it. He absolutely has never left us. And I can think of several times that I have prayed and I have yelled at God, why, why have you left me here to just Mm -hmm. in this sorrow? And without a doubt, every time it comes back, you know, the spirit fills me just, he is not drowning us. He's, he's cleansing us. And there's a song about that. And I absolutely love it that, you know, he only doing this for our good. And I can just see that he is molding me. I can just see that he is, he is just giving us the best that we need. And sometimes it's hard to see that whole picture, but, but absolutely. I can see him as a partner 
in us that way. That's great. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time to come on and share your perspective. You you give some I know that you're going to give so many people hope. I know you already do that through the work that you do on your blog. It's I wish people could see you because we can see each other through Skype and you're just like so full of energy and so full of you're life so and <laughs> and I'm sure it's not always like that for you, but I I appreciate your your willingness to come on and I know that it will help someone else. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful to be a part of this. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.